Hi there, welcome to this edition of Wait a Week Mystery. I'm your host, author J.C. Bodden, and as you probably already know, I'm sharing with you chapters from my novel, Someone to Watch Over Me. If you like what you hear and can't wait a week for the next installment, be sure to check out my website at jcbodden.com because you'll be able to find Someone to Watch Over Me as well as the other three books in the Devil and O'Quinn series, and they're available in both Kindle and paperback format from Amazon. If you check out my website, jcbodden.com, for more information, you can also find the link to my Amazon page. Now, let's not wait any longer. This is episode 118, Someone to Watch Over Me, chapter 18, Click, Jenny's Story. Tuesday morning was cold and gray. It had rained most of the night and the air was still damp. I had once again suffered from a restless night, but decided to brave the elements and go for a run. This morning, looking for a change, I turned towards town instead of running across campus. The quiet of the older neighborhood brought me the sense of peace that I was seeking, although my blister soon began to burn. I turned back toward the dorm, looking forward to a hot cup of coffee and a few minutes of quiet before class. I pushed myself up the final hill and paused for a moment at the top, admiring the stately house across the street, the pink sunrise in the sky over it. The front door opened and Joe stepped onto the porch. Wearing only a pair of gym shorts and a t-shirt, he ambled down the front walk, scratching his head and yawning. He bent over to pick up the morning paper and pet a rather fat calico cat that was weaving through his legs. He was so ordinary and innocent-looking that Wagner's accusations from yesterday seemed even more ridiculous. I was glad I had defended him. As Joe straightened, he noticed me, first with a look of surprise and then with a slow smile that warmed his entire face as he walked to the gate. I stepped across the street. "'Good morning,' I said. "'I didn't know you lived here. What a great house!' Joe blushed shyly. "'I just rent the upstairs rooms.' Still, I've always loved the historic part of town, and this house is very well maintained. I leaned against the wrought iron fence for balance as I bent to adjust my shoe, trying to ease the blister on my heel. There was a brick missing from the step between the sidewalk and fence. You have anything to do with that? I asked as I straightened. I- I'm sorry, what? He leaned forward, peering at my face. Do you have anything to do with how well maintained this house is? Oh, um, my landlady, Mrs. McDowell, gives me a break on the rent in exchange for help. Well, you've done an excellent job, even if there is a missing brick here, I pointed. What? Joe looked down. Huh, I don't remember seeing that before. His voice trailed off and he scratched his head. Well, anyway, the house is stunning. You've done a nice job, seriously. Oh, I've only lived here since this summer. I did some painting when I first moved in, there on the second story, and the garage in back, he motioned with his arm. But lately it's been just yard work and maybe a few things inside to get ready for winter, caulking some windows and stuff. You know, he fiddled with the newspaper in his hands. I went to see Amy Patterson at the hospital last night, and Travis was there. He went with me, actually. Really? You and Travis went to see the girl from the other night? Huh. Joe squinted down at his bare feet and then back into my face. Yeah, it was kind of a spur-of-the-moment thing. It suddenly occurred to me that he might have wanted to go. That was nice of y'all. How's she doing? His reaction told me that he wasn't upset to be left out. She's okay, I guess. I mean, she's weak. I'm glad she's all right. 
I took a deep breath, remembering the reaction of Amy's mother when she saw me. A lot of people think she looks like me. Well, he rubbed his hand across the top of his head, making a patch of hair stand on end. Somehow I resisted the urge to reach across the fence and smooth it down. It's the red hair, you know. Do you think it's possible that someone attacked her thinking that it was me? Is that what your dad thinks? I was mildly alarmed at his reaction. He twisted the paper in his hands, nearly tearing it in half, and his face paled, with two bright spots of red showing on his cheeks. No, Dad hasn't said anything like that. Just Officer Wagner, the campus cop. I shook my head and shrugged, hoping to reassure him. I can't believe it. It doesn't make any sense. God, that's scary. Joe pushed a hand through his hair again, which made it stand up even more. This time, without thinking, I reached up to smooth it back into place. The look on his face made my heart skip a little faster. It's just some weird coincidence, I shuddered. I don't want to think about it anymore. I shouldn't have brought it up. Let's change the subject. We stood in awkward silence. After several long moments, Joe cleared his throat and glanced at the gloomy sky. So, how was your run? I'm headed back to the dorm already. It's too cold, and I've got this blister that's bothering me. Silence again. Then the front door to the house opened, and a tiny gray-haired lady stepped out onto the porch. "'Oh, Joe!' she called as she waved in our direction. "'I didn't know you had gone out to get the paper. Have you seen Prissy?' I angled my head in her direction. "'That must be your landlady on the porch, or else your girlfriend,' I teased. Joe turned and held up his hand. "'Perfect timing, as usual,' I heard him mutter. "'What?' I asked as Joe turned back. "'That's Mrs. McDowell, my landlady.' So, Prissy is your girlfriend, then? Prissy? That's the cat, Joe said defensively at first, then smiled sheepishly when he realized I was teasing. Listen, he said, his face brightening. Why don't you come in for breakfast? Mrs. McDowell always makes a huge meal in the morning. Oh, no, thanks. It's always more than I could ever eat. I hesitated. I did like spending time with him. No, really, thanks, though. I'm not big on breakfast. I'll go. I can see you're getting cold. Joe rubbed his hands together and blew on them several times. I'm okay. Sure you won't come in? Coffee, maybe? No, I've got to go. I reached over and squeezed his hand. His eyes grabbed mine, and if I hadn't known better, I would have sworn I heard a click, as if two magnets had locked together. For a moment, I forgot everything. The cold, my blister, the attack on Amy... All I could think about was the man standing in front of me. Tall, muscular, eyes like blue flames boring into me. Then Prissy the cat meowed and the world clicked back into focus. I snapped my mouth shut and pulled my hand back to my side of the fence. Bye, Joe. I could only whisper. But I knew he understood. Bye, Jenny. His voice was as raspy as mine. Joe's Story it was move-in day on campus, and all the maintenance workers had been pressed into duty. Joe had been assigned to Willow Hall, the all-freshman women's dorm. He spent most of the day toting heavy boxes and bags up the stairs for the young women, although at one point he had to reset the circuit breakers after someone plugged too many appliances into one outlet. He enjoyed seeing the eager young women and their nervous parents, and made himself useful in any way he could. Most of them ignored the strong, silent man as he moved back and forth between the lobby and the upper floors of the building, but some of the fathers and brothers thanked him for his help. He 
even got a couple of dollars in tips, which he tucked into his pocket with a slow smile. He worked through lunch, but by about three o'clock in the afternoon, most of the residents had moved in, and there was no longer the same sense of urgency. Many of the parents had left, and the women were settling down to their unpacking. Joe cooled off on the porch, drinking a soft drink from the machine in the lobby. A 1965 Ford Mustang pulled up in front of the dorm, and Joe leaned forward, his elbows on his knees, to get a better look. His attention, however, was quickly drawn to the young woman who stepped out of the car and onto the sidewalk. Unlike everyone else, she was alone, no hovering parents. She stood on the curb, her hands on her hips as she studied the old building. Then she noticed him sitting there and walked up the steps toward him, her hand extended. He stood and shook her hand. Hi, I'm Jenny O'Quinn, the new head resident advisor. After a couple of stunned seconds, Joe remembered himself. Joe Halliday, from maintenance. Nice car, he added. Thanks, Jenny smiled. I have trouble with it every now and then, like this morning. It's hard to get parts. Joe walked down the steps and looked closer at the vehicle. It was in mint condition. He ran his hand over the hood. Trouble? The carburetor, of all things. You know cars? Yeah, I've worked on a few. Jenny smiled at him and opened the passenger door. She reached in and pulled out a box. Need help? Joe asked. Sure, I guess so. I just got hired for this job yesterday, and I've been packing all night. Then the problems with the car. She set the box down. Have you been here all morning? Joe scooped up the box and nodded. Most everybody's moved in. It's a good thing that someone from the university was here to greet them. I appreciate it. Joe spent the next 25 minutes climbing up and down the stairs with Jenny O'Quinn's belongings. Unlike most of the other residents he had helped that day, she had many more boxes of books and not nearly as many clothes. Soon the front room of the small apartment was crowded, and the two of them had to step carefully around the boxes as they brought in the final things. Jenny broke the silence. Well, that's it. I can take it from here. Listen, thanks a bunch, really. I'm sure I'll see you around. She pushed her hair out of her face and stood with her hands on her hips again, looking around at all the boxes. I'm off tomorrow, but if you need anything, call the maintenance department and I'll be here first thing Monday morning. He hesitated and then added, Welcome to campus. Jenny turned again and offered him her hand. Well, thanks, but actually I grew up here. Well, in town, I mean. At that moment, her cell phone rang. That would be my dad, checking on me. Joe waved and turned down the hallway to the stairs. Back at his apartment, he made a sandwich and took it to his room. As he ate, he pulled a tattered shoebox out from under his bed and dug through the letters from Tilly. He finally found what he was looking for. The old picture of Jenny O'Quinn was still in the little silver frame. Her hair was a little darker red now, not as sun-bleached as in the photo but the freckled nose and the green eyes were the same. He smiled and put the picture on the nightstand. The only girl he had ever loved had just walked back into his life. That concludes this week's chapter of Someone to Watch Over Me. Thanks so much for listening. To find out what happens next, come back for the next episode of Wait a Week Mystery or visit jcbodden.com to order the book. Either way, I hope your wait is a happy one.